as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. Specialist of the specialist guests, Liam O'Donnell from Cinepunks Podcast Network and Roughneck T-Shirt Company. Rough Cut T-Shirt Company. How are you? <laughs> I'm pretty good, man. How are you doing? Uh, you know, I've been better, but I'm enjoying talking about subjects that fascinate people. So, <laughs> And here in one of many just multiple just franchise breakdowns, I decided, hey, you know, let's talk about one of the most cult franchises and I, I never tackle a movie just one movie i just say hey you know if there's multiple of these movies we're gonna take them all down one at a time uh, just in one giant episode like we did with hellraiser one through ten so <laughs> well i'm glad i didn't sign up for that one jesus i would never wish that upon anyone and everyone else i, I just had to end it earlier i could tell everyone was just like this is dragging fuck this movie series <laughs> and uh Liam O'Donnell, you have struggled through uh, multiple uh, bad movies that the beloved actor Eric Roberts has done. So I just figured it's true. It's true. I'm surprised he wasn't in any of those. I'm surprised he's not in this franchise that we're discussing today. <laughs> oh man! But there's plenty of them who are. Um, so, uh, you're well, we're both very politically savvy and like to talk about how social issues arise in movies and whether it makes them date poorly or only makes them more relevant in a particular saga. And, and this movie in general, it, this timing could not have been better or worse. <laughs> mm. it, it encompasses all of anything wrong with any kind of society. Um, uh, so uh, what was your introduction to this uh, film series? You know, I, I saw Maniac Cop 2... Uh, before I saw Maniac Cop. It was one of those things that would play on cable... And I just would catch it. And uh, in fact, the the real shock for me was I didn't see Maniac Cop probably till I was in my 20s. And I couldn't believe how human. I mean, let's be clear. Uh, uh, Zadar kind of looks like a monster from the get prior to me. <laughs> yes. Just, you know, no, no disrespect. I'm just saying that jawline is part of what makes him so intimidating. But I was so used to seeing uh, Maniac Cop 2 on cable that when I finally sat down and paid attention to Maniac Cop, I was like, wow, A, before I saw it, I had no idea it was a Bruce Campbell movie. I had no clue it was a Bruce Campbell movie. <laughs> I really, my, my, to me, one of the funniest things about Maniac Cop 2 is how Bruce Campbell just immediately dies. And I always thought like, oh, that's weird. What a weird cameo from Bruce Campbell. But again, I was a kid. I didn't know. And, you know, for people to know, I, I was a kid before there was really internet. So... I couldn't just go look up on IMDb like, ooh, what's going on with the Maniac Cop movies? I just never had any exposure to the first one. Uh, when I finally saw the first one, uh, it was kind of a big revelation for me, A, that you know he's not just immediately a giant zombie cop, and B, how much Bruce Campbell is in it. Like It's just so seriously a Bruce Campbell movie, and it's different than really the only roles I feel like a lot of people know Bruce Campbell for, which is obviously Ash. And a little bit of that uh, Briscoe County Jr. Uh, that's that's about it when it comes to to Bruce. And so it was interesting to see him in a different role. Uh, exactly. Uh, nowadays, you would probably mention Burn Notice and 
uh, some of the other shows he had recurring sure. roles on. But but yeah, I mean, uh, and for all you know, he knows that his fan base, you know, much like any of these other B movie stars, you know, eat up you know anything he's in because he's often the best part. But I mean, it's kind of interesting how compared to other movies that he's you know he's mentioned in his book, you know, Tells from the Chin or whatever mm-hmm. that you know he didn't like the movie yada yada but it's kind of interesting how you look at this and it's like you know he's really good in this i would say this is one of his best movies but it's kind of funny how uh much like it's kind of the same thing with even just evil dead or the the creator of this franchise uh larry cohen in general uh based on who you talk to some people are gonna say oh it's so bad it's good or it's oh it's good you know <laughs> it just happens to be a b picture and it, it, it's just it's very annoying because you pretty much have to figure out what kind of crowd you're with just from the get-go. And uh, uh, it, it's interesting how, yeah, the, these played, you know, in the drive-ins. Uh, uh, the first one was absolutely... We're, we're going to just talk about the overview of these movies just for those listening, just because these movies literally do just flow directly into one another that we right. just got to talk about an overview. So, yeah, the first one, it's a becomes a cult hit after getting just, you know, critically bashed and picks up on the cable charts. Part two, you know, is a vid mark, you know, before they were Lionsgate uh, release and gets played endlessly on the HBO stations and then just kind of stops. And uh, part three, you know, just gets uh, uh, premieres straight on to HBO. It's not one of their movies. It just premieres on there. And uh, uh, it, it's very interesting how, like you say, how, there, there's a lot of B movie, uh, you know, who's who of that uh, uh, expertise, as well as it's kind of also just extremely different from other kind of movies by these guys. Because you know, Cohen he often does kind of throwbacks, as well as just other just uh, different kinds of movies um, uh, that that are you know horror or crime related or action for that matter, and. This one is just very different from his kind of usual style and even William Lustig to some degree. I mean, this is the guy who did Relentless and, you know, 90, 1980s Maniac, and yet it's a, a whole different breed altogether. So it's kind of interesting how these different minds just conjured this up. Uh, you And even just with the police station massacres, I hardly feel like it's even just, uh, you know, a nod to the Terminator. I feel like it's even just, it's trying to raise the bar in a way, if that makes sense. Uh, w- without yeah. being insultingly derivative, like there's inspired by, and then it's just kind of like, Oh, you thought you could do this. Oh, we're going to amp it up and kind of make it still work for its own thing that it's doing. So I'll let you. Take no. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's fair. I think, um, but, I, but I do think that even the creation of maniac cop, is a bit of a of a cash grab, you know. It's like, you know, Maniac did its own thing. RoboCop is a movie that people seem to care about. Let's mm-hmm. just smush together two things and make a movie that we think will do well, just because it's got cop in the name. Um, Absolutely, it, yeah. it is interesting how the the to me the series kind of loses the thread. Like, uh, I, I think a lot of people I know do. Like even today, I was tweeting about this movie. Uh, well, specifically about the third one because I, I hadn't watched it in a really long time and I was kind of shocked by it a little bit, but we'll we'll get to that. But uh, for a lot of people, they do see these movies as one piece, you know? Hell. It's not really worth differentiating between Maniac Cop, Maniac Cop 2, Maniac Cop 3. It's all just this like linear story. But I really feel like Maniac Cop, for me, still feels like an anti-cop movie. Like the the, the entire thesis seems to be you know what's terrifying? Police. Police are terrifying, actually. And the whole movie, it's like you've got a uh, 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 oh my brain, uh, Tom Atkins. He seems pretty good at his job. You got stop Bruce, it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> you got you got Bruce Campbell. He's I guess okay at what he's doing. He's at least not a monster, from what I can tell. And then all the other <laughs> cops are bad. And you know the Zadar character. You know uh, whatever the his name is in the in the movie. What is it? Uh, Cordell. Cordell is just the worst of the worst. But none of these cops are particularly endearing. You know, at no point are you like, "Ugh, man, these poor cops. They're under attack by the crazy cops." No, 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 no. These seem like bad dudes all the way through. And really, 
Atkins and Campbell, who themselves are not exactly like heroes in some ways, are just the outliers by not being, you know, jerk offs, you know. And so, yeah, Campbell's even though they don't show him doing anything, you know, they already say, oh, you're all you've already been under review, all that shit. And so you could definitely have pictured him, you know, when he was a rookie as a patrol officer, he could have definitely just beating someone near senseless without reading their rights. He is that kind of guy who probably sure. fucked up at one. He definitely fucked up at one point in his career. And yeah, we can curse. I'm just, I, some of my guests are hesitant to do that. I'm just saying, yeah, well, we're, it, it's, it, you take away the on dead aspect. It's a Serpico type movie. You take away even that right. it's a victim movie, but like you say, it's kind of satirical without be overdoing it. Like, some people have been good at satire, like Paul Verhoeven is really good at it on a good day, really awful at it on a lesser day. And uh, Cohen and just kind of just lets it speak for itself. But within minutes, you know that you're not just watching some drive-in trash. It's Some people have referred to this as enjoyable trash. Some of it just say it's actually a very well-done B-movie. I'm kind of just the latter. I'm just like, you know, because I've, I've had my share of just slashers and all this other things and it it's a it's it's a trippy movie but it's also a tricky movie it you mm. kind of welcome the tricks that's playing on you because you know that uh, other than the third one you know everyone's comfortable doing what they're doing as opposed to i really don't know what to expect and i'm not going to watch this endless amounts of time just to make sense of this <laughs> it, sure. it's, it's not that kind of movie this is years before dogma 95 style and all the other stuff is just making us question the line between art or entertainment or just flat out. I can't even, you know, describe it as a movie. It's <laughs> it, it doesn't have any description and that we can't even decide if it's good or bad. It's just, uh, this is the kind of movie that is like it, it, it. Fortunately, it just had a reliable enough cinematographer, you know, it, they're able to make use of the low budget and make it look bigger. So it's got that working for it. And then it, um, like you say, it has all these social themes and this is years before we have all the Nazis saying, oh, that's too politically correct. And, you know, years before other people are like, I'm just can't enter. I just don't find this movie entertaining because it just reminds me of today's bullshit. And this one, it regardless of what era it would have been made in, it does it in a way where it's like, OK, we're we're, take, we're tackling some social issues and we're. But, you know, it, at the end of the day, this is all just entertainment, but we're at least making you just kind of. Uh, we're, we're just making it be part of the plot twist, for lack of a better description. Mm -hmm. And uh, and, and once again, this is years before we're just having, you know, any of you know Trump's minions and Russian bots just go on Twitter and just start arguments with people before a movie is even fucking out, <laughs> like they did with the Hunt and all the other stuff. It's like, oh my god, that movie was a satire too. And if you have problem being ridiculed, you know no fair going around claiming like all these other people and activists are hypocrites when you're still again breeding a different kind of hitler and um yeah man many of these cops are pretty much some of them act like nazis some of them act like just you know doing my job i don't give a shit and uh, it's interesting how half the time you know they just play they always ends on a cliffhanger and wisely on the third one they they kind of play it up but it's still subtly and um it was apparently finished without the creator's consent, but and to be fair, well, yeah, seen I mean, all... the 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 William Lustig work print was only fifty two minutes, so he didn't really have a fucking movie, and so they had to have someone come in, and he, he, he I don't know, I, I honestly don't know what the fuck he was thinking. I mean, maybe just the production wasn't going well overall, but the idea like that it was finished when it wasn't even close, and that's why you get all those crazy cuts in of uh maniac cop 2 because they had to give it to this editor to sort of like stretch it out to make it a you know a feature-length film so you know yeah it, and it's, unfortunately it's, it, it gets ahead. very action-packed near the end and yeah yet in the last 10 minutes i'm kind of just like i still want this movie to just to be fucking done and over i know that he's gonna just burn right up and he's not gonna really be dead but i well, i want i, I think lust it gets I think Lustig gets underrated as an action director, really. Like, as much as I kind of hate Maniac Cop 2 in a lot of ways uh, because of, like, the, the sort of turn it makes from the first one. But yeah. if you just take it on, like, a technical aspect, like, there's some 
for for the budget level, there's some great action. And Lustig still hails Maniac Cop 2 as like his masterpiece. Like he really thinks he did something with that movie. And it, you know, on a purely technical level, I think he did. And I think um, you know, I think it was someplace he was going. Like if you if you think about like vigilante, like clearly like urban action was something he was already motivated by. Um excuse me. But uh <laughs> but he uh but I, for me personally, it, it just gets on my nerves that we're going to take this guy who was such a consummate villain and then suddenly redeem him now. Like, we, we've turned him into a zombie, and now the zombie's actually not so bad. That's I don't a love, fair point. I don't I, love that. I think, I, think it, it, I think it kind of makes the first one make less sense. And then by the third one, I think we're actually seeing some of his best action sequences. The The... the, the car chase where Zadar is on fire holding on to the car. Yeah. All of that is sick. That's actually great. But even all before the stuff that on... when uh, Claudia Christian's detective is holding yeah. on to the side of the door for the, you know, this is years before Babylon 5 and she's yeah. actually a year and she's just holding on. She's like, who the fuck is trying to kill me? <laughs> just got done talking to a witness. <laughs> yeah. The whole, but the whole idea that like uh, now suddenly it's this other plot with the uh, uh, offshoot of Santeria and then we're going to exchange souls. It's so complicated. It doesn't even... And I'm kind of a Larry Cohen fan. It doesn't even feel like a Larry Cohen movie. It feels like Larry Cohen just gave up on this script and then Lustig literally gave up on set and walked off. So I, I don't know. It's As much as there's parts of this movie that I think are like surprisingly good, it makes the whole thing kind of fall apart. Whereas... You know, Maniac Cop, you were saying, you know, it's a surprisingly good B-movie. I think it's really solid, man. Like, I get the parts of it are, I guess, kind of stupid. And and I will say, all three of these movies get a little on my nerves in the whole, let's mostly shoot in L.A. and pretend this is a New York film. You know, they they all have the same shot from the same graveyard. (laughs) And then a couple of of New York. The worst is Maniac Cop 3. Maniac Cop 3 never even tries to look like New York except for that graveyard sequence at the beginning it's all in la maniac cup 2 is mostly in la yeah, there's a little more do new a lot of gray news and everything to kind of make it be like yeah, yeah. This, is, this is gritty this is prince of the city right get it get it uh, i mean you literally the, there's parts of maniac <laughs> cup 2 where i'm like are those palm trees i think those are palm trees you know what i mean like whatever but that, <laughs> that, that aside i think maniac cop mostly works like it it, it is it it works as an entertaining film for me even if it has some slow bits but it also works in the idea that like it's tapping into a real fear i I think a real key to the film is when uh uh uh, our man atkins is in the bar he's getting drunk the tv's on it's a news report and there's a a young uh black kid is talking about being afraid of the cops because they beat up his friends and they shoot people and whatever whatever and i think that kind of functions as a key for the rest of the film to sort of get a, a feel for like the anxieties that people were feeling. And then Maniac Cop 2, it's like suddenly they're like, oh, never mind. Cops are pretty good, actually. Like, even even though there's still a feeling that the system is bad, right? That's the theme that, that goes through all three films is that the system isn't good. And, and you get that actually uh, uh, pretty strongly in Maniac Cop 3 when it's like, how do the cops do their jobs when these horrible... Uh, uh, paparazzi, you know, uh, a la, uh, what's his name in, in Nightcrawler, you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh <laughs> yeah. these dudes, these dudes sort of are, are feeding off of the, the actual tragedy there. And the cops, like, they might not be great at their jobs, but they're really just responding to a system that is unjust. And, 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 you know, that's, I guess, slightly compelling, but, uh, but in Maniac Cop 2, it really doesn't work as well for me. Whereas Maniac Cop 3, there's a little bit of like a tragic whatever. And it is funny that, our main hero guy is also likes to shoot people a lot. Everyone he could shoot in Maniac Cop 3, he tries to shoot them at least 10 times. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, the I, I definitely concur on many of those points. It's definitely repetitive, so definitely don't watch these like I did back-to-back. It's going to be repetitive oh. as fuck. But, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm, but I'm just more of a... I just look for the bigger side. What is the movie going for? I never feel like it goes into Chucky territory where it's like, oh, give me a fucking break. You know, it's just... cat. You know, it's never-ending chaos. You know, there needs to be a stopping point. Um, 
there's enough breathing moments for me to where I'm not bored, but I just have a moment to prep for the next inevitably chaotic moment. Um, you, you made so many good points. Uh, I, I feel like with part two, it wouldn't have worked in any other franchise, like especially a mainstream one that would have just become just so dense, but yet not organized. Like look at every other superhero franchise for that matter. Right. <laughs> it's just, they don't know how to juggle between giving, you know, some me, me, me time to all the actors and then just making sure the plot actually makes sense in the editing room. Um, and, uh, with part two, I just kind of feel like, like you say, it's just Cohen and Lustig, you know, two totally different minds working together. Inevitably, their vision just kind of becomes a whole different type of movie than what we're used to. Um, at the same time, like, uh, I feel like there's just enough ironies that at the end of the day, this is just one very explosive milkshake of a, of a ride of a movie. And it's just kind of... Uh, it's like the science experiment that just keeps exploding in the lab. It it just goes in waves before inevitably you just say, okay, enough already. I'm finally turning off the boob tube. I'm finally turning off the TV. And that's that. I've seen enough. Uh, uh, yeah, like you say, they're all rough around the edges. They all have moments that are worth seeing. And yet at the same time, it's like if you want to just really, really dissect it, that there's a reason these aren't ever in like the top, you know, action horror mashup franchises of all time. And yet, strangely enough, like they kind of somehow flow slightly better than like any other franchise that was mainstream and that just got off the tracks. And eventually, like I already mentioned Hellraiser, but, <laughs> uh, but uh, even Terminator in a way, you know, it's like that just not having the magic touch, not having the people who created it involved. Just it just shows and sticks out like a sore thumb. Um, and it's kind of funny. Part three, in a way, kind of feels like a diehard in a hospital movie. And it's just so funny because they got Special Agent Johnson himself, Robert Davi, you know, as the hero. And it's kind of wild how he's playing a character we root for. And I know he's politically outspoken and yet seems like a nice guy on a good day. So it's just one. It's another interesting predicament seeing uh, not only just separating the actor from the art, but also just uh, the kind of role he's typecast in playing, which is often, you know, the angry authority figure um and strangely enough you know in other movies i've seen him in he just wasn't easy to root for he was just often an anti-hero or a you know contradicting prick and here he's just kind of like you say a guy who otherwise would be a bad cop on a good day and here he's having to actually use his excessive force against an unstoppable force so it's it's like the vision is more interesting to talk about after the fact and whether or not you're going to actually enjoy the actual movie, that's a whole other argument. Because, like you say, is like these are repetitive, and yet it's like there's before you know it, 90 minutes has gone by, and you're like, holy shit, that flew by, and yet I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I think there really is some like really well done action in Maniac Cop too. Uh, I I just don't find it as charming. You know what I mean? As the first one. No, uh, I, 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 not but, charming at all. But, but like the technicality, I mean, uh, Zadar on fire in the prison, grabbing the dude, jumping through the wall. I mean, he's on fire so long, you think, is he dead? Has he died? Is that stuntman dead? What's happened? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it, it is, there's a lot of stuff like that, you know, falling through the bus. There's just a lot in Maniac Cop 2 that's very exciting. Uh, but, there's just I don't know. A, I think it would have as it would have been ridiculous to have Bruce Campbell in it. I think. However, he's just an endearing actor. You know what I mean? Like he, he there's no one in part two that I care about the way I care about Bruce Campbell. And the, and um, yeah, same for part three. You know what I mean? Although there's you know some fun people in part three. Uh, it's it's just hard for me to care in the same way. We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. 
So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts... Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host cure what ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you could think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers. Yes. The Google Play. Yes. Apple Podcasts. What else? Podbean. What else? Podcast Addict. Goddamn. All that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere. Worldwide, baby. Hustle motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah. We gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want us here to say, ah. Yeah, all that good fun stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> f- you. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't run the listeners away, Pete. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at gohpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app and remember say hello to your little friend for me If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necrophilia. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get out of it. It's unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. 
hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How be did a rough you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. It's time, let's check out Q, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love your movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one-life splat holes and gratuitous boobies It's time to get busy With your friend Steven At eilfm.podbean.com We now continue with our program I think that's yeah, a very big point, and that's it's also kind of a both a charm and a flaw of both Lustig and Cohen's work. They often have characters that are good actors, just giving lots of exposition filled dialogue, and the movies often go fast enough that, like you say, and before you know, it's over, and you're like, "Yeah, I didn't really care about anybody, did I?" <laughs> but I was entertained. So I mean, don't be wrong. Seeing Jackie O'Haley as a crazy. Uh... Uh, drug addict shooting everything like that's fun that's you know that's not a bad thing or right, seeing, we root for uh, his comeuppance <laughs> yeah <laughs> or seeing uh 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 robert forster um as this like weird doctor like that's cool but there's just no you know I, i'm like not say no connection is like okay well they died what the hell I, I mean on? it was very surprising to see robert davy as like kind of an action guy like he doesn't do a lot of stunts but he does a couple of things that are kind of neat looking you know like but, you know, yeah. I'm he, so used to seeing him be a guy who just often comes up and shoots someone, but it's mostly right. a bad guy, like license right. to kill. So, uh, like you say, I mean, everybody just kind of just comes in, does their thing, uh, gives it a little more respectability. Yet at the same time, like you say, when you're you see him dead in the next scene, you're not surprised. It's like, yeah, they're so it's both. It's like this is a infamous movie that's elevated be- into a more entertaining level uh, i just can't think of any other better way to put it because i mean uh had this been in anyone else's hands it would have totally just been you know 2 a.m trash that you're just like yeah i'm turning this crap off <laughs> it was fun laughing at it but i i can only take so much punishment you know <laughs> and here with this this is kind of like and uh, still there's a lot of the man moments and yet there's somehow kind of there's enough self-awareness and yet a dedication to just making sure the movie just flows fast and just kind of doesn't like it still overstays its welcome, but it doesn't try and just feel just too one dimensional in the world that is creating. It's kind of having fun creating its world at the same time. And yet, right. It's also too much inevitably. So, uh, I mean, there's a, re- you know, this is a big, big, big giant B is for B movie. <laughs> um, in some ways, they could be C movies. Um, uh, you know, I'm sure B movie addicts might even give them an A for effort. So, I mean, <laughs> this is a very unusual uh, quandary. <laughs> uh, it's like, uh, basically, uh, if you had to recommend these to people, I definitely would recommend them to fans of uh, the Terminator franchise because it does have a similar kind of score that kind of tells whatever little story there is but at the same time uh uh there's might be people who still just hate this and just can't separate it from all the other trash they've seen so uh where would you put these between other franchises that are similar to this kind of i mean i think i think that maniac cop would hold up a lot more if it was a one-off um i think that a lot of people love maniac cop one and two I don't know anyone who loves three. I guess I guess my friend Austin said he thought it was pretty good. I think for the most part, Maniac Cop three is just a bit of a letdown. So I think if if you're taking the franchise as a whole, it's hard not to see that as kind of a I don't right know. Out of steam. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. It's interesting at the beginning and like you say, just the second half is just like it's going off the train tracks. It's 
third time's the charm, but this time it's just too much. So I think that um I think though Maniac Cop stands up. I I I, I like Lustig as a director. You know, he's not perfect, but he's done some things I really like. Um and I think uh there's just even the parts of Maniac Cop that are kind of goofy or maybe don't entirely work. I still think they're cool. I don't know that, and maybe there's a bit of nostalgia there. But it helps technically, that it starts off with an investigation, so right. you're just kind of ready for just hold on. This is not any kind of typical movie. So well, Tom Atkins. I mean, he, 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 the combo of Bruce Campbell and Tom Atkins is just a a, a power punch for any sort of uh, lesser film. You know, that it's going to totally. elevate it a little bit. Richard Roundtree, even you know, it just uh, exactly, these, yeah. And so it's like you got these genre vets who are used to playing these kind of roles, and it's like, okay. Uh, I guess the I I guess the thing for me with two is that um, if someone wants a mindless action movie, I think two does pretty good. You know, there's the the zombie version of uh, the maniac cop. We do get a lot more Terminator sequences. There is a lot more of him just crashing through things and shooting people up, and and I feel like that would get old like i think to me that's like yeah. not that entertaining but on the other hand considering it's it's not like lustig had millions and millions of dollars he had way more money than he had for maniac cop but he did not have unlimited funds and i think he does do a lot with the money he has so you know some respect there for sure but i think that if you're someone who is more of a horror person and less of a action sort of uh person i think Maniac Cop 2 might not be as exciting. You know what I mean? Like, it's... Yeah, no, I totally know, because they all have elements is like, okay, I'll watch it at least once, and uh, uh, the often, I guess, the shortcomings are, yeah, I mean, part one just kind of takes a while to build up, and part two kind of, in between, kind of has to stretch it out, and then part three really suffers from stretching it out, so uh, I, I think also like you say, part of the runtime that's complicated, and I guess maybe why you could say why everyone had uh, no trouble getting into them is because half the runtime of the sequels is the recap from the beginning, and part one's you know runtime is just setting it all up before they unleash the nonstop chaos. So uh, I guess you could say the biggest issue is uh, uh, whether or not you were in the 80s versus today and you're just now getting to these, you're definitely going to have different perspective from that standpoint. Um, uh, I guess overall, I guess they, they really do work well because, uh, you know, they're anti-cop movies and they're not they're not trying to preach to the choir. And yet at the same time, they're also not they're, they're not trying to uh, be message movies that are heavy handed or anything. They're just like. Here's what happens. We're going to have these guys. They're basically eating each other alive or, you know, hunting each other. And uh, how convenient that it's a undead, you know, zombie. And what we later find out, awakened by voodoo cop, that basically is a killer who gets off on killing other bad people as well as bad cops. So if it takes the supernatural force to tear our entire already, you know, uh, cutthroat department finally apart then something is truly wrong <laughs> and uh i guess i guess the biggest both a pro and a con also of this movie it's funny how i just keep going back to that uh is how there's no hope in these movies and yet you kind of want to morbidly see what happens it's like what's going to happen next because obviously and uh, no one's going to be able to explain all these dead bodies that are in the fucking department <laughs> no one no one can justify anything. No one can even uh, say, you know, tell good cop from bad cop. Now everyone's so distracted with, you know, trying to stop this unkillable zombie cop that everybody's pretty much just beside themselves. It's like, yeah, we'll review the whole department again next year. But really, no, we won't. We're just going to just have more paperwork to do that we'll eventually get to or won't at all. <laughs> I will say it's a little strange that Maniac Cop 3, that everyone's just sort of accepted all the crazy shit that happened in part two, and it hasn't, like, changed the world at all. Like, people aren't running around going, did you hear there was an undead cop doing right. stuff? As a, 
they just know like like the lie where he's like i've just been interested in this occult stuff since all that uh cordola stuff went down you're like wait they all know like they all know that this whenever you have a sequel to something like this there's always an excuse as to why everyone doesn't now have their entire world shattered because supernatural is real and in this movie they're just kind of like yeah they know it's fine (laughs) like oh I okay. don't know that they accept it, but like you say, they could have had a little extra backstories. Like, how is the world taking this? Because I guess that's why they set a lot of it at night. No one has any time. Everyone's already sleep deprived and they don't really know how to make sense of any of this mayhem. So there's like, yes, he just seems entirely comfortable with the idea. There's not even a mo. doesn't feel like there's a moment where our main guy is like, wow, this is all crazy. There's like magic and undead. Pe-. He's just like, yeah, that's what this is how it is. That's yeah. weird. It's a little weird. Yeah, he's especially weird. He just kind of just goes along with this. Like, no, I, I think you need to reevaluate yourself because <laughs> uh, this is not normal. Uh, none of this is normal. Um, well, what makes it even weirder, I guess, is, yeah, Park Freeze an origin story. And it's like, it's cool. And at the same time, it's like a little too late. You should have just explained that in part two, if anything. Maybe in part one. I don't know. Maybe just play it. Maybe just even just a simple shot at the place, and we would have known. We 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 could have been playing around. Oh, is this guy the product of this voodoo? Just have hint at it, as opposed to just give it all away. Um, I mean, I don't know what else to say other than I wasn't surprised that uh, Larry Cohen ends up working with uh, Sid, the great Sidney Lumet on uh, Guilty as Sin. So I'm sure he saw one of these movies and said, "Hey, how about he write a courtroom thriller I'm working on." <laughs> Like like you say, it's that they're all messy, and yet uh, part one is just kind of cool from a low budget standpoint. Part two, I guess, had like two million more, but uh, yet is still kind of just showing how to make a. They're, they're great examples of how to make a movie on a limited budget, and yet at the same time, show how you can get creatively kind of astray after a while. So I mean, uh, t- I would take these all with a grain of salt, honestly. I mean, uh. They could have been so much worse, and yet there's still some shit in there that's uh, takes some treading through to get to the end of the tunnel. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess I'm just glad that there wasn't a versus movie or any other stuff uh, in pop yeah. culture. Uh, they, there, it's not been surprising that every once in a while they reference these on animated cartoons. I'm sure South Park brought them up in at least one episode. Um, there's got to be some Adult Swim parody. Um, uh, the char- the title character is actually a playable character in this new uh, independently made uh, horror app game where you can play as various uh, uh, horror characters. And uh, he's one of the playable characters you can play as. So it's like, okay, cool. Cool to see some <clears throat> uh, cult fandom. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure who would want to play as him necessarily, but, you know, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> Although, like you say, it'd be kind of bothersome because this guy is kind of a pot kettle black kind of character. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Killer, I mean, preying on other killers who's pretending to be a cop who's killing other cops who, as well as bad cops. So it's. it's I think like, when you're in a video game, though, just the idea that you get to go around and just uh, murder everyone without really getting too much, you know, damage against yourself. I'm sure a lot of people would like that just for the fun of it. But, you know, I think it would be interesting to play a mystery game as Bruce Campbell where you're trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. There you go. Uh, You know what? Sam Raimi still seems to have some power, so could he team up with Lustig and just have a Make Mania Cop part of the Ash universe since they've done so many Evil Dead games? (laughs) Video games? (laughs) Who knows? I, I think that would be it would work better if the maniac cop was like a villain and Cambo got to play as both his cop character and his Ash character. And they're both teaming up saying, who the hell are you? Oh, I, I'll tell you who I am. I'm Ash. I'm going to help you, your punk ass, you know, fight this asshole. <laughs> but yeah, uh, apparently there's been an HBO show in the works. I don't think it'll ever take off, really. And if it does, it's. They're going to have to pretty much just go with a whole different style, much like this upcoming Hellraiser show, because, I mean, you know, this is like you said before, this is a premise that's already been done to death, pun intended. And it's 
at this point, you both need a different style and you need something to just kind of just strip away that uh, it's become formulaic. So uh, uh, I, I'm not going to hold out my breath for it. It might just be a in-development project that never gets realized. And at the same time, I mean, uh, I need something new to watch because I'm just sick right. of just uh, just every other show just trying to be marketed as being similar to this show. It, it used to be a show was just word of mouth. Oh, you should really tune into this show that they've been, uh, you know, broadcasting and promoting lately. And instead of, you know, I, I miss it back when in, uh, you rented VHS tapes from the library and, or you waited to get the whole DVD set and, you know, praise came that way. Now markets are just so hungry for, you know, income that they, everybody's got to still the other's audience. And it's like, that's getting really lame. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't, I don't try to navigate the TV landscape too much. You know, like I, I, I wait till and you're, you're not alone. something. Yeah. 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 I wait till something is really exciting, like in advance, like, Oh, I heard about that, whatever. Or if people I trust tell me like, you should check this out, but there's so much TV happening all the time. You know, uh, who uh, I I feel like I can't keep current. I, I, I haven't even finished the stuff that I already kind of like. So. Yeah, I, I definitely this year uh, during Corona, I just decided, you know what? I'm going to catch up on the shit I've been trying to finish before I start anything new. That went well. And then uh, pretty much if there was a show I was on sure of, I just would skip around through it. And I pretty much know from the beginning of the episode whether I want to even watch any of all the episodes like, OK, the show I'm not the most invested in, but kind of still want to know a little bit about. I'm just going to watch the beginning. I'm going to watch the middle episodes and I'm going to watch the end or I'm just not going to watch any of it at all because it's just already the pilot and the or the first three episodes were just ass. <laughs> and like you say, everybody's getting so sick of just having to take a chance that the show won't be canceled or builds up over time. So it's just easier to do a 90 minute movie. And uh Having done some independent filmmaking, I, I always have to just uh, put myself aside and say, what about this movie will stand out? Because I don't the only thing I don't want to do and I'm that other indie filmmakers seem to not get is make a movie and make it stand out. And most people think by standing out, you got to imitate this movie for going back to this movie. It kind of imitates but it stands out both in its imitation and comfortable doing its own shit. So it's a rarity. It's a total rarity for better or worse. And, uh, well, like a lot of exploitation stuff, it it was definitely conceived as a, as a cash in. It was definitely like, uh, you know, uh, uh, opportunistic. Like this seems to be something that people are stoked on. Let's just make it happen. We'll play two weeks in a theater. And yeah, but, but some, sometimes there's an alchemy to that that still produces something cool that you are surprised like has legs. Now, this didn't have huge legs. Like, you, you know, I, I wouldn't guess that this influenced a ton of other movies, but no. people are still interested in it. They still talk about it. It's it's still uh, people still want to get the Blu-ray, so to speak. So, I you know, it's it, it may not have been a titan of uh, of horror, but it. it it has its fans, and I, and I think that's not insignificant, you know? And that's what's um, so wild, is, like, they all were, like, the Blu-rays were released by Vinegar Syndrome, so this is also, because it's so low budget, everybody's seen it out there in some fashion. You can even, if you want, still find all the movies up on YouTube. So, I mean, it's just interesting how it's just this low budget, it's this talked about, and yet it hasn't, you know, no one can remember the last time it played on a cable TV spectrum in any capacity, you know? I definitely don't ever recall this being on Sci-Fi Channel or anything for that matter. And so uh, I, I guess you could say there's just enough word of mouth. People have just talked about it, shown it at parties, and it's it's been a junky yet somewhat entertaining kind of uh, capacity that it, it just got blabbed about and eventually it found its way. Um, uh, here's a personal story. I was actually, I'm still good friends with uh, Robert Zadar's um, uh, recurring co-star uh, Joe Estevez, uh, you know, twin brother, younger twin brother of, uh, well, uh, not twin necessarily, but uh, younger brother of Joe uh, Martin Sheen and uncle of Emilio and Charlie. Um, he 
uh, starred in a bunch of B to Z grade uh, movies with uh, Zadar, and uh, I had to give him my condolences when I found out Zadar had actually passed away. And uh, it's interesting how, like you say, he's known for these movies, yet, um, you know, a year later after this first movie, he ends up actually the same year he... No, I take it back. It, it is a year after he ends up playing Face in Tango and Cash, and that role actually, you know, he's remembered because the role inhibits his physical capacity as well as he gets some actual speaking here in these movies he doesn't even fucking talk yet he inhibits the role all the same so it's an interesting quandary um uh he's definitely one of those who was pretty much regulated to just starring in shit for you know straight to tv or video which is kind of a shame because you i don't like to you know no one should be prohibited from doing what they want to do because of their physical uh capacity yet at the same time you know uh he kind of just created his own kind of fandom because of these unusual movies he was in and uh lesser garbage uh but also at the same time i mean uh like it uh, i actually knew uh heard stories about how people would actually tease him and be very mean to him at conventions so it's kind of tragic because uh, I feel like this movie made his career yet at the same time really ruined it. Any opportunity to do better or get any offer that he would be proud of. It's just like, ah, I mean, ah, that's a pretty, I feel like that's a pretty common story with a lot of horror though. Right. Is that, you know, for so many people, it was both the place where their life started and their career ended, you know? So correct. Uh, I, th- I think that happens a lot. I just feel bad that for him, it really is about his physical appearance that he's, he stuck out in his own way. And for this movie, it's great, right? Like by the time they get to three and he's fully zombied out, that really only makes sense because of how degraded the corpse is. Right. They don't really need to do it. Like in it the first any movie. Stuntman. Yeah. Yeah. In, <laughs> In the first movie, he's still intimidating without a ton of makeup on his face. There's like and, one or two shots where you see his eyes, and that's it. Yeah, and and I think like, uh, I don't know, I, I'm not gonna hold him up as like a great actor or anything like that, but no, I, but I do think but... he definitely didn't get the opportunities he could have gotten. You know, like uh, exactly. But, yeah, <laughs> but you know what? I, it is cool that as much as it can be sad when uh, someone's career doesn't take off after one of these movies it's also kind of nice that in horror there are people who will probably pay you for a photograph for the rest of your life you know like so and you can make money doing that uh so i mean he's in that trash fest uh samurai cop but now that's a movie that's best known as one of the worst movies of all time or so bad it's good so it's like for a while there he was kind of (laughs) getting In any movie that had the word cop in it, he was automatically showing up in, but yet still in just some of the worst VHS trash and most hysterical movies. It's like he was made for bad movies. And yet somehow was intended as a bad movie and yet became an entertaining movie to many people. So it's definitely a puzzle piece. (laughs) So what else do you want to talk about here? Oh, well, uh, so uh, I guess... You can give a summary of each one just with a uh, su- anything out of five star uh, verdict. <laughs> oh, sure. I mean, for me, the Maniac Cop is still a three and a half star uh, uh, film, almost a four star. I just, you know, there's a p- couple parts that kind of drag a little bit, but I, I, I like it. I think it's really great. Um, I get why some people might think it's just a little too cornball for them. But I have fun with it. I enjoy it, and I like sort of the the vibe and and really the feeling of like that it, within a certain context, especially in cities. Um, there's a real anxiety of the police in general, and so this this scary figure is sort of playing off that anxiety. Me at Cop Two, it's only a two and a half for me uh, because you know I think the action is great. There's a lot that's great about it, and I get why people love it. It just bums me out. At least the last time I watched it, it bummed me out because I was just like, you know, there's there's a vibe with the first one that I think this one doesn't do. And I just don't need them to redeem this 
character like the idea that he was just done wrong and you know whatever whatever it's i get that that's probably the most obvious twist to take but i didn't need it i didn't need that twist and then maniac cop Cop 3 that that, that's a uh very surprisingly enjoyable two-star movie it's just not good enough to get more than two stars there's just not enough there but if it was like if i was at a hearthon you know like an all-night thing and maniac cop 3 played I wouldn't walk out. It's fun. You know, there's parts of it that are fun. It's just barely a movie, man. It's just not there. And, and you know, it's I, I'm not holding up to a high bar. I'm not saying it's barely a movie compared to, like, you know, Satan Tango or something. I'm saying it's yeah, barely a movie compared to <laughs> Maniac Cop 2. It's barely a movie. So, I you know, it's, it's, it's fine. Much- just yeah you take away the excitement that like you say it is bare bones so yeah um, it's not annoying it doesn't make me mad you know like and uh, you know as you said earlier with covering the eric roberts stuff i've definitely seen movies that like actively make me angry and this is not that but i just think (laughs) the, the the parts of it that are good highlight how much of it doesn't work uh that's very well said i'm these should be like free or force or free or maybe even two star movies for me because they're, they're definitely movies that make a difference. Like you say, if you watch them with a party or at a midnight screening, um, uh, because I feel like so much of this for the most part is done with heart. Uh, and I feel like it's slightly better than, you know, most low budget B movies. Uh, I, I got to give them four out of five, but like you say, I would never rank them as like, genre highs or even you know compare them to a, a mainstream theatrical release um that they're, they're just they're they're just fun genre movies that are just very surprising for the right reasons for all the lacking moments that are in there like you say um and these are these are definitely movies that, depending on your mood, that you see them in a day. Just like you talked about how with part two, I, I had the same deal with the Transfers movies. I love Tim Thomerson as a actor, but those movies I noticed very based on, you know, not only their quality but also on the days or times you watch them. And these are definitely these kind of movies. If you watch them late at night, you're gonna have fun. But if you watch them just like, I, I think that's also why they just never played them on TV. There was just so much excess violence. Don't get me wrong. They're not excessive like Hellraiser, but at the same time, they are just they they, they probably just got that general uh, nature. They're just like, yeah, this is not going to play well on general cable. And <laughs> the pay channels have totally changed their type of programming that they're interested in. So it's it's definitely something you're going to find at a video store used or ready to buy. And you may or may not want to pull the trigger on it. It's going to pretty much just be up to the viewer. So uh it's if you like evil dead or terminator you might want to check it out and if you don't like those for whatever reason then you're definitely not gonna like this so i mean i uh, like you say it uh watch at your own risk otherwise just don't bother (laughs) i feel you man i feel you (laughs) Uh, but yeah uh, there's definitely a lot more effort put into the better moments of one and two and just part three is just like if there wasn't any action it would be absolutely useless so but that's what i was noticing is like it gets boring in like the last 10 minutes because it's just so fucking predictable so it it, it's kind of one of those it's a rarity and yet it could have been so much of a better franchise and yet had it been a better franchise it still would have been just one of those multiple ones made with multiple different filmmakers that just again well, why why encourage another franchise that serves as just the source of argument like Star Wars is today? You know, so um, and the last thing we need is angry fanboys raving it or bashing something on the Internet when there's already enough of that. There's already enough hate in the world. So I would hate to I, I would not play a what if game with these kinds of movies. I think they came, they did what they needed to do. And at the same time, they overstayed their welcome. So they quickly evaporated off the face of the earth. So. Um, uh, yes, you, you can find these on most streaming stuff. You can find these on YouTube guys. So, uh, since everybody's always finding cult stuff on YouTube, that's pretty much the perfect place for you to find it. And if you like what you see, or you remember, uh, uncle or video hound friend who 
saw it, you can take their advice and check it out. But it, who knows? It might even make you a fan of action horror movies if you aren't already. So there's that to consider too. Uh, would you watch? Would you recommend anyone watch these if they are just getting into the genre, or would you recommend they only check them out if they're hardcore fans? So that that's the quandary. That's the predicament. Uh, I would definitely recommend the first one to people uh, who want to, especially if you're someone who doesn't mind if their horror films have a little bit of like action. Like, there's a little bit of a New Yorkiness to it, but like I said, it doesn't have the the fun and the grit of some other New York movies because a chunk of it was filmed in L.A. to save money. So, you know, it, it's cool. It, I, I like it, but. I don't think it's an essential. If you're someone who is just getting in and you want to see the most important things first, I think you could skip it. But I think at some point it should be on your watch list. If you're getting deeper into the genre, I think it's an important moment um, in a lot of ways. I just personally think you could skip the sequels. That's fine. I, If you like anything else by Cohen, you can see what he did on a B-movie uh, grade skill, you know, like when he was truly just going with the lowest of the low kind of stuff and making it slightly better. Uh, obviously, if you're a Campbell completist, you're going to see this uh, eventually. Uh, I would recommend this only if you're just like a hardcore fan. Uh, now, if you're an easily entertained audience, you might have fun with this. Uh, it's definitely a 2 a.m. kind of movie for me. Uh, it's definitely not something I would watch with a general crowd. They'd be like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> you're watching, making me watch Cam. <laughs> So, uh, uh, it's definitely, it's funny that you mentioned that, uh, it is a talked about movie and it's definitely one that you would see a convention guest who had appeared in those kinds of movies. Eventually that, that would be listed on their flyers, like the star of Midiaka and this movie and this movie, you know, uh, that's also a good point. Uh, those, uh, I kind of like it when genres cross over, uh, even years before Tarantino was kind of doing it. Uh, but yeah, there are definitely people who kind of prefer that one genre stay in their corner. Uh, I like all the genres on a good day. So uh, I think it's kind of cool that it mixed horror with action. But yeah, if you're strictly want only action, but no horror or horror, but no action, then I definitely wouldn't recommend it. Uh, funny enough, uh, some of the people in the former horror podcast I was talking about uh, mentioned how, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was funny uh her husband liked this movie and she thought it was an absolute trash fest so because <sighs> yeah, that, that's exactly it she liked just pure horror and nothing else so um yeah that is that is an interesting quandary uh yeah uh i, I would only I, I would take this if you are out of movies to watch <laughs> and you just want to talk about want to see this movie that people occasionally talk about but uh, even if they haven't talked about it, uh, I think you should just go in and the less you know about it, the better, because spoilers for it will pretty much uh, degrade any other enjoyment you want to know about it. So yeah, that is very well said. So um, uh, now that we've wrapped this up, uh, Liam, um, um, want to plug your social media? Oh, sure. Uh, I, I would recommend people go ahead and follow Cinepunks. That's uh, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X. We're on twitter we're on facebook we're on instagram uh we also have a group that you can join called the uh cinepunks fun time hangout group on facebook where we try to keep people updated about new episodes of the various podcasts and writing and whatever and we also just post like random cool stuff that we like so uh you know if you're into all that that's cool you can also just check us out at cinepunks.com c-i-n-e-p-u-n-x.com uh, and where we have a whole family of podcasts that are part of the network and uh, we have a bunch of writing and, you know, with October coming up, we're going to feature a lot more horror stuff pretty soon. Very cool. Um, and anything else with your podcast you want to just kind of plug a bit or. No, not particularly. I don't know. We, we have a new episode of horror business coming out soonish. Not sure when it'll be ready, but we talked to okay. uh, director Dean Capsalis, who has that new movie, the swerve. Uh, and, and he wanted to discuss uh, the tenant and sisters, so that's what we covered. Uh, Cinepunks, I don't know when the next episode's coming out, we're on a bit of a delay. And Cinema Smorgasbord, we're every Monday, you know, every Monday a new episode's out. Doug is 
a taskmaster. So we're all, we're out here every week producing stuff. So you know, if you're looking for something in your feed that's always uh, going to be in your feed, check that out. Uh, we we cover a wide variety. We're doing um, Jackie Chan movies. We're doing Eric Roberts oh, movies. Shit, yeah. We're doing a director series. We're doing uh, Carol Kane movies. Uh, we're doing like cool. a, a series where we look at old genre fests and sort of pick movies that won awards at those fests. So there's a bunch of stuff we're doing, and, and we're always coming up with new ideas. It, the, the point is not necessarily to do everything, but it's just a fun excuse to get to cover a, a wide variety of stuff. Right. See how the performer evolved over time and uh, just celebrate or uh, talk shit about some of their lesser, uh, you know, uh, resume entries. Um, so I'll definitely need to invite you back for some of the episodes where we rank uh, actors 10 best roles. Sure, sure. <laughs> and keep in mind for those, this is going to be interesting because I'll have to keep reminding everyone. It's like, OK, once again, you, you have. You have to separate the actor from the movie. Are they good in this movie or is it a good movie? But oh, yeah. it's, it's yeah, a yeah, role yeah, yeah. that anyone could have played. And, of course, uh, that's why I had to be very picky about who I chose because there's just some people they, they cannot do it. It's like, And fortunately, our first Humphrey Bogart episode went rather well. It's like, okay, no, none of us even brought up Casablanca. We both love it to death, but it, we, we just had to kind of just reluctantly just say, eh, you know, that role could have been played by any leading man of that era and it would have been perfect in our opinion. So it's just like, <laughs> we've got to agree to disagree. If anyone's going to say, how dare you not mention Casablanca and you brought up Bogart in the same sentence. Oh, <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, that's been a lovely time. I, it's probably the most detailed discussion we'll ever have on this franchise that everyone pretty much previously <laughs> who had fair. covered that's these. Fair. Well, it's it's a shame. Everyone who covered it previously only wanted to either talk about like Bruce Campbell or Zadar or just what they loved or hated about the movie, and it just never got detailed. And so, hopefully, for those listening, we dissected it a bit and we just kind of I mean, peeled don't it get me away. wrong. I love Bruce Campbell in, in in that movie, but there's other stuff to talk about too. Yeah, I mean, if you just only focus on one element, then is it really that good a movie? Or <laughs> right, right. Well, thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, th thank you, and you're welcome back anytime. Uh, and uh, once again, everyone knows where to follow Liam. So uh, much like uh, Neeson, he, he has a special set of skills. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, thanks again, bud. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jack